Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. This is Apostle Corey Douglas of Zion Ministries in Horace, Alabama, welcoming you to another Bible study on the book of Romans, verse by verse, scripture by scripture. We are going to resume our Bible study, and we're going to pick up Romans chapter number 1, verse number 11. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 11. And the Apostle Paul makes this statement, For I long to see you, church in Rome, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Uh, the actual um, specific definition of this word impart uh, means to give, means to share, or to distribute, or to grant. There is the implication of being liberal or being free-spirited in the aspect of giving and also being generous, uh, generosity um, as well. As a matter of fact, um, it is the same word that is used in Luke chapter 3, verse 11, when Jesus Christ exhorts the disciples that if you have two tunics, um, then give one of those tunics to someone who has none. And the reason that I'm bringing this out is because it details the spirit of the giver. Okay? And as Christians, especially as ministers of the gospel, if you're called to ministry, but even more as just a Christian or someone who names the name of Christ, God wants us to have a spirit of generosity and not to give what we possess grudgingly or of necessity or with an attitude, with arrogancy, with hesitation. Or, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you guys have met people who uh, they give to you, but they kind of hang it over your head and kind of make you feel bad and, and lower themselves and make themselves seem superior and almost, you know, kind of shame you as they give. And when they give to you as if you're less than or sometimes a nuisance or, um, or just bothersome to them. So, but that's not what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Rome. This particular word, uh, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you, it's not just a mechanical term, but it, it just denotes strong desire, generosity, love, uh, liberality. And this brings us to another conclusion when it comes to your growth in Christ. Realize that everything that you are growing and developing in in Christ, uh, the Bible calls fruit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? So as you grow and as you develop in your Christ-likeness in Jesus Christ, as the Holy Ghost is prepping you and maturing you and developing us day by day, um, None of the, what God is doing in our lives has us as the end goal in mind. Everything that God is producing in you, he is desiring to reproduce through you into others. So he produces it in you once. So if you're there, say he produces it in me once, which means that he causes things that were not there to come about in you. His nature, his likeness, his gifts, his ways. And after that work is complete of uh, producing it in you, 
he reproduces it through you. Okay, so say that he reproduces it through me. And you and I have the responsibility in our Christian walk to walk with the Lord in both seasons of production and reproduction. Now, the problem is is that most Christians get stuck on production uh, because, you know, it's most fall into the temptation of becoming selfish, and they only focus on God blessing them and giving them something that they never had before, causing them to be someone that they never seen before, making them feel better about themselves. And if they had a rough life, then, you know, they think that the end goal is to bless them, okay, because they had a rough life, almost as if, Jesus, you owe that to me because I had a rough life and now I believe in you. Now it's time for you to give me a good life, okay? Um, that's part of it. Um, the truth of the matter is that, you know, to accept Christ is an invitation to the crucified life or to the cross. And the end goal of you and I and God producing in us what he's producing in us, the character, the gifts, the calling, the purpose, is not just for us to be fulfilled in and of ourselves, but it is ultimately so that Jesus Christ can be multiplied through us, reproduced through us into others. Okay? So he produces in you first, and then he reproduces through us. And this is the spirit that Paul had. Paul, uh, God produced in the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, and then he went uh, for three years. Um, he spent in the desert of Arabia. Uh, the book of Galatians says God was producing in him. Uh, and then he went up 14 years later and met with Peter and Paul and the rest, uh, Peter and James and the rest of the apostles in Jerusalem and, and joined his ministry with them. And then God began to reproduce out of him into others. Okay? And the, the good mark of a good Christian is that when God produces in them and when God produces in you, when God produces in me, it is important that we don't get stingy. We don't become selfish and we don't become mannish in our perspective. And then we don't try to get all we can for the purpose of canning all that we get, canning like canned goods or, uh, you know, just cons or storing up for ourselves. Uh, because if we do that, we lose the spirit of generosity, we lose the spirit of giving, the spirit of sharing, the spirit of love, the spirit of uh, liberality, which is really the mark of true Christianity, and it is the true spirit of Christ and the spirit of God as well. And so <clears throat> God will give to us for the purpose of us imparting. And if the Father can develop in you and I the spirit of giving, um, and we can move forth uh, with the mentality that we're receiving to, at some point, impart what we have received into someone else, uh, then we'll find ourselves walking in even a greater abundance of that which we possess because God will begin to increase the seeds that we're sowing into others, and we will be the direct recipients of that harvest. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, okay? To the end that you may be established, and we established last week that gifts of the Spirit can be imparted, okay? They can be 
distributed, they can be granted, they can be shared, they can be given under the leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And that's exciting as well. Uh, and these things don't have to be done uh, by the laying on of hands. They don't have to be done at an altar. They can be done at an altar. They don't have to be done with the physical presence of someone being there. They can be done with the physical presence of a person. Uh, but they're not limited. The imparting of spiritual things is not limited to physical touch or encounter. It has everything to do with the will of God and, and what he chooses and the faith of the people to release and the faith of the recipient to receive uh, that which is released as well. <clears throat> the last part of verse 11 says, to the end that you may be established. Okay? So impartations are not an end in and of themselves, but they are means to an end. And spiritual gifts are not an end. In other words, it's not the end game. It's not the end goal. So we fast and pray. And we say, God, I want to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to move in the walk of the miracles. I want to move in the gift of prophecy. I want to move into, you know, the discerning uh, the of spirits. Okay? But a lot of times when we petition, our, our vision and our request stops there. And if God was to ask us why or for what purpose, um, sometimes we don't have a clear answer because we allow operating in the gifts of the Spirit to be the end in and of itself, okay? But notice that in verse 11, the Apostle Paul speaks about a greater end than even seeing them, physical time within the company. I, didn't just, I don't just long to see you just because I miss you. There's a greater end. There's a greater purpose, okay? And I want to impart some things to you, but I'm not just coming to you to impart things. There's a greater end, there's a greater purpose, okay? I want to release spiritual gifts to you, but it's not even necessarily about the spiritual gifts in and of themselves. There's a greater meaning, there's a greater end, there's a greater purpose for it all. And so the apostle was always focused on the greater purpose. You and I, we always have to be focused on the greater purpose, okay? And the greater purpose, he tells the end. He said, to this end, or this is the greater purpose, and it is you being established in Christ, or you being established in the faith. <clears throat> Say this with me out loud. The greater end is being established in Christ. Okay. Now, he's talking to the church in Rome. Now, they had already been born again. And, you know, actually, in the congregation already existed, or he wouldn't be writing a letter. But he had enough discernment and perception to see that they were not yet established to the degree that Jesus Christ desired and God the Father had intended for them to be established. Okay? And it's, it's, it's right to get born again and to be saved and to be baptized by water, to be baptized in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you have to realize that even after that, and this is why discipleship is so important, that those are just entrances or thresholds that open the door for you and I to pursue a greater end. And that greater end is me, is you and I being established or what the Bible calls in the book of Colossians, being grounded and rooted and built up in Christ. Okay? Being grounded and rooted and built up in Christ. So that is the greater end. Okay? When we look at this word establish, it means to be made stable 
or to be placed firmly. It also means to be strengthened. And I love this definition, to be rendered constant, okay, to be confirmed, okay. It means to be set fast or literally fixed. And this last definition that I want to share, the literal definition of this Greek word for established means to turn resolutely in a certain direction, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Now, just by the nature of this word, to turn resolutely in a certain direction, you know, if, if you've studied your Bible, if you've been around Zion long enough, you know that um, we've taught on the definition of the word repentance or repent, which means to change or to turn. Okay? And so what this is saying is that Paul was coming to the church of Rome to impart spiritual gifts in such a way and in such a manner and in such a spirit that would not just cause man to marvel at miracle signs and wonders and to be wild at the manifestation of power, but he actually had an anointing and a right spirit from God to impart spiritual things into the church in a way that added to or increased and provoked a greater repentance in them of turning from their own ways and turning more to Christ with their faith, surrender, obedience, and their allegiance. Okay? And so the spiritual gifts were a tool to stir up, to provoke, and to work repentance or change or godly sorrow that could produce the fruit of Christ uh, in the church of Rome or to make them more Christ-like in the end and the gifts of the Spirit were being released in such a way that was allowing this church to become more Christ-like in every area of their lives. And I think that that is the true purpose of every gift, of every calling, of every talent, of every skill that we have, of all that God has entrusted to us, that we render back unto the Lord in obedience to servitude to him. It should be to utilize who we are. Well, I don't care if you're singing, if you're serving, if you're preaching, if you're teaching, if you're prophesying, if you're ministering to the sick, if you're giving to the homeless, if you're clothing those that are naked. You know, the, the end game or the end goal or the ultimate purpose is for Christ to be formed in his people to a greater degree in all that we do or for those people who are not a people who don't know Christ to come to know him and to be found in him. Okay, let's move on. <clears throat> Verse number 12. He goes on to say, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now you say, what does this mean? Okay. In order to understand this statement, you have to reference back to verse number 8. Let's go back to verse 8. Apostle Paul tells the church in Rome, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Okay? 
So remember we talked about the witness of their faith in that day. Let's go back to verse 12. He says, that is, that I may be confident together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So the Apostle Paul respected their faith. He respected their international, their worldwide testimony. He didn't approach them as being superior as one that had more faith because their faith had been testified and heard about throughout the entire world. Okay? He actually approached the Church of Rome in expectation and encouragement to find the same faith in others that he himself possessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, it was almost uh, a desire of his to be there, to be around good company of believers, of those who believed like he believed, of those who adhered to the faith and to the gospel of Jesus Christ just like he did. And he was telling them that their faith would bring comfort to him. And he believed that the faith that he possessed in Jesus would also bring comfort and mutual consolation to them as well. Okay? So it was like a fellowship, a joining, a reunion of like precious faith. And we all know how beautiful reunions can be of those who believe the same thing, who, uh, who are of the same spirit of the same mind. You know, there's a kindred spirit there. There's a sense of strengthening, refreshing, and comfort that derives when you're able to connect with people on that level. Verse number 13. He goes on to say, Now I would not have you ignorant or without knowledge, brother, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I may also have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Okay? Now, I would not have you ignorant. Now, remember we talked about in verse 10 that the Apostle Paul expressed a desire to see them, but he was praying for God to give him the release in order to go and see them. God had not given him that release in the will of God, but he was still praying and waiting on that release. He goes on to it a little deeper in verse 13, and he said that I purpose to come to you. Now, he did not say that the Lord had purpose for him to go, and he did not say that the Lord had given him the permission to go. But he said that, you know, because I long to see you, I set my heart, I purposed in my own heart to come to you. He said, but in that purposing, I was let hither to. Now, that word is translated as hindered. Okay? I was hindered. So he was hindered, okay, from coming. Again, let me say this again. He was hindered from coming, though he had purpose in his heart to go. And he went on to say the reason that he wanted to go to see them, that I may have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles, that I may have some fruit. I want you to think about this as a believer. <clears throat> because 
Paul, Paul was mission-minded. He was no nonsense. He was, he was Jesus of nothing. He was just sold out for the call and for the commission. And in all of his engagements, all of his socialization, all of his interactions, he was strategic. And he had one thing in mind, the formation of Christ in his people or in everyone that he met. And so he didn't just show up to catch up on old times. He did not just go places to see people just because he hadn't seen them simply in a long time. He was always about the Father's business and what he was called and saved and converted to do, which was to be a light unto the Gentiles. Okay? So he said I might, that I might have some fruit among you also. And what this verse is saying is that he realized that God the Father had entrusted him with spiritual treasures and resources and commodities from heaven. God has also entrusted you and I with spiritual resources, gifts, treasures, and commodities from heaven. And it's very important that you and I embrace the mentality and the spirit that the Apostle Paul demonstrates that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and wherever we go, we have to have our purpose and our calling and the reason that you and I were converted and redeemed in mind and in heart and in spirit and in all times, we should be looking to reproduce everything that God has made us, given us, allowed us to be, to behold, to see, to hear, to touch, taste, smell, to testify, to experience with our own self and our own being. But we should be looking to impart that same reality into others, that you and I may have fruit in the people that surround us, wherever we are and wherever we're going, in our media surround us. It is not the Father's will that you and I hide our light, that you and I deny our light, that you and I turn our witness off, and you and I, you know, we don't uh, engage people when it comes to spiritual things and when it comes to spiritual realities. God wants to reproduce himself through you. Remember, he wants to produce in you first and reproduce out of you or through you second. Okay? And so you have to see yourself as a sower. Uh, what God has given you is seed to sow. Okay? Every understanding you come into is seed to sow. Every encounter you have is seed to sow. Every time you go from faith to faith or glory to glory is seed to sow. Every new understanding of the word that you have is seed to sow. All increase that comes from God in your life in any area becomes seed to sow. And the reason that we sow seed is to see fruit grow, okay, and to reap a harvest, okay, as well. And so Paul was saying that I've been to a lot of nations and I have sown seed. I have given, I have imparted spiritual things. I have imparted the gospel, the Christ, the gifts, you know, by the grace of God that has been given me into others. I want to come to you, Church of Rome, okay, that I may impart some spiritual things into you as well so that when I'm gone 
or I can also have fruit that abounds in your account. Now, let me explain this, okay? When you impact a person's life for Jesus Christ, for the gospel, in the spirit of Christ, um, through whatever means of grace he has empowered you, whether it's singing, whether it's praying, whether it's teaching, counseling, whether it's a prophecy, whether it is a word of counsel, encouragement, whatever impact, when you impact someone's life for the better by the Spirit of God and through the testimony of truth of God's grace, in that moment of impact, you are also sowing the seed. Okay? And that seed lives in that person forever, and it begins to grow, and it begins to produce fruit in their lives. Okay? Um, if you've ever had someone repeat something that you taught, that you share, or counsel that you've given them from God, and they bring it back to your remembrance or they start living it and walking in the light of that truth, that's fruit that abounds to your account, but that fruit exists in them. But it's connected to you because you sow the seed. And so whatever is reproduced to that truth, that harvest according to heaven's account, and when it comes time for heaven to reap and to bring into account all things and to reward, the harvest of that impact in their lives will come back to you. Okay? And so Paul understood this, and it brings to light the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, store not up for yourself treasures on earth okay? that do corrode with thieves can break in and steal. Uh, treasures that corrupt. So don't store it for yourself, treasures in heaven, okay? but uh, treasures on earth. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven that are incorruptible. Where thieves cannot break in and steal, where neither does corrupt or corrode, and you know there's no diminishing of it. Okay? And this is the same teaching. And so Paul obviously had this revelation. And this is an important revelation for you and I to receive as Christians and as born-again believers, uh, that, you know, we're here to sow. We, we grow in Christ to sow Christ into others, okay, that you and I may have fruit. Now, as a moment of reflection, I want you to think about times where God has used you to, and that just, you know, uh, to impart things and think about fruit that may abound to your account and lives of people that God may have used you to impact and things that you've said, you've done, uh, you've demonstrated before them, ways you've helped them, you've imparted, poured into them. That's true. Okay? And I want you to think about uh, opportunities that you may have in your presence, okay? uh, especially uh, the ones that may seem scary or afraid or a little bit intimidating. Usually those are the ones where uh, you can reap the greatest harvest uh, if you remain crucified with Christ and remain mission-minded and purpose-minded, just like the Apostle Paul. Praise God. Okay? Just remember, wherever you are, whether it's your family, whether it's your family reunion, whether it's around old friends or coworkers, whether it's around people that you may feel are established and accomplished, it's important that you don't uh, live in intimidation and fear. It's important that you don't just focus on self, 
but it's important that you and I embrace the spirit of distribution, impartation, liberality, generosity, and that we look for opportunities to impart that others may be established so that you and I can have fruit. Okay? Now, if a Christian does not do this, then, and if they don't order their lives to do this with intention in the spirit and in the way that God has instructed and pleased, then it's very possible for them to, if they enter into heaven, to enter into heaven and to be a bit impoverished or to even know that there is no poverty in heaven compared to the rewards of others, compared to the payoff of others, compared to the recompense that others may have received, it's very possible to make it into the gates and to be kind of poor or for it to be evident when we make it in that we live life for ourselves on earth instead of for the Christ, okay, and we didn't take up our cross. You say, well, how would heaven know? Nobody has to say a word. All we have to do is look for fruit. How many people that are up there is your testimony living in? Because everyone that your testimony or that the impact of your life and ministry lives in in heaven, when you get to heaven, will bear witness of it. And those things will be brought to light. And those things will be discussed because they are being recorded and they will be rewarded, not only in this time, but especially in that which is to come. So it's important that you and I purpose in our heart that we are not going to be a fruitless people, but we're going to be fruit. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you, that you may go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That fruit is people, people established in Christ. Well, God bless you. Thank you. Praise God for your attendance. That concludes our study on the book of Romans for this day. I pray that something that was said uh, brings increase and uh, brings out the Christ-likeness in you to a greater degree. Uh, by the will of God, the Lord permit, we will resume, praise God, this coming Monday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. God bless you and grace and peace be with you. In Jesus' name, bye-bye.